Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. All right, just over a year ago, a major high-speed internet provider moved into our neighborhood. The salesman said, here's the price, which was to me, far too good to be true, but he assured me that for the next 18 months, this is it. My reaction, of course, is what happens after the 18 months? He said, don't worry, the price is only going to jump about 20 bucks. I thought, well, the money we're going to save over these 18 months will certainly offset any price, so, so let's do it. In the internet, it's been amazing, the best we've ever had during a time when at home, streaming and working has been a necessity. But the contract is over and the bill came last week and $20 was an understatement. Our ju- our bill, sorry, jumped upwards of tw- 20 not just $20, but $60. Whew. And now we're left in this dilemma. We really love what we have. We love the experience of the internet. We love the benefits of this internet. We actually need it, but can we pay that price? Can we rearrange our budget to continue to have it? What do you do? Have you ever had this happen with a product? Maybe it was a car or a cell phone or a membership where you were sold one bill of goods only to find out later when you begin getting really excited about it that you that you're actually going to have to pay more than you pay more than you thought. You see the fine print of the contract jumps out that you didn't know about. This stuff that they're going to be holding you to which was never mentioned or discussed before. Many of us have had this experience, right? The fine print of a contract that, boom, comes out of nowhere. Have you ever had this happen in a relationship? Have you ever came across the fine print you had no idea existed only once you got excited or maybe even interested in someone or a group of someones? I've had potential friendships pretty much dissolve over things like politics, for example. I've been hanging out with a group of new friends, and once they find out how I vote or didn't vote, wow, they'll say things like, that's not what we expected. It's certainly not who we are, and I can't believe you'd vote or think or act or that way. And it becomes clear, awkwardly clear, that it's, it's over unless I change my views. One last question. Have you ever had this happen in the church? You've taken a courageous step to join a community for even maybe just a Sunday or a Friday night pizza party, and things are going well. You're meeting nice people, your kids are enjoying fun activities, and maybe even you're beginning to play music or help in some other area of the community. You're excited about the next step of investment, only to find out that the next step involves agreeing to a bunch of things you're not sure you can agree with. A bunch of things you're not even sure you believe, and a statement of faith you're not sure you can make. Churches have been notorious with fine print, a list of things said or done or told that you can't do in order to clarify the in and the out. And it leaves people just like companies leave them in a jam where deeply engaged relationships, spiritual journeys and awakenings are held ransom by the fine print. Agree and rearrange your minds for the sake of what could be lost. And sadly, many walk away worse off than they started because of what happened, what had begun, and certainly for what has been lost. Or, they say they will agree and buy in for the sake of it all. The church has been notorious when it comes to fine print. But, is this what Jesus expected from the church? 
Is this what Jesus taught? In this fine print, maybe you'd call it bait and switch, however you might describe it, is this a prescribed method of a Christ-centered community? Or have we somehow, in somewhere, bought into a lie? Well, once upon a time, there was a man named Saul. He was a rule-loving, rule-following, and rule-demanding Jewish leader. He knew the law, he obeyed the law, and would adamantly fight, imprison, and even condone executing those who broke the law. Saul was determined to make sure it was clear who was in and who was out. After all, this is what he assumed God was all about. Jews are in. Gentiles or non-Jewish people are out. Jews who follow the law are in, and Jews who do not are out. Now, during Saul's leadership, a new movement comes alive called the Way, a group of people who follow a man named Jesus. And Saul tells us in Galatians, You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestor. Saul was known to be a bit of a church terrorist, a man to be feared. Now, this man Saul, while on the road to Damascus to fight the Jesus insurgents, has a mystical transformative experience when suddenly a light from heaven flashes around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he said. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Saul stands now blind from the light and is led to Damascus where in two days he'll receive his sight. He'll be renamed Paul and receive a new calling to now pay attention to this. His new calling is to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles, to the non-Jewish world. Talk about a script-flipping moment where a terrorist, overwhelmed with a passion for exclusion and religious adherence, becomes the very man sent to share God with those in whom he persecuted. He goes from a terrorist of the church to a leading apostle or planter of churches. And now, I know Paul gets a bad rap for some of the things he said. He is often seen as a contradiction to Jesus. But he was passionate about cultural exegesis, or what that simply means is making the good news of Jesus understandable and applicable to a brand new culture. Everything Paul said was for a context and a purpose for a specific group of people dealing with a specific issue. And so today I want us to listen to Paul as he is a great voice in this question regarding fine print, in and out, clarity for the sake of the so-called orthodoxy. And Paul has something interesting to say to his churches in Galatia that I believe is vital for our church today. Now, some important context about the churches in Galatia is that they're not Jewish communities. It was a community of churches Paul planted for Jewish, or sorry, for Gentile apprentices who were following Jesus. So Paul writes this letter to these churches because Jews who have begun to follow the way of Jesus are pulling out the fine print contracts to these new Gentile believers. You see, the Jews who grew up with a load of rules about God were now telling these new Christians, guess what? You're welcome to hang out with us and be here with us, but you're not really in until you obey the Old Testament law. Hey, you're happy to, to come in, uh, come to church. You're happy to eat with us and hang out with us, but only law-observing Christians can lead, can be members, and can fully participate. 
Does this sound familiar? You see, fine print isn't new, but let's see what Paul says in response to this kind of this issue within his churches. He says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. I am shocked that you're turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who are deliberately twisting the truth concerning Christ. Now, he goes on to say more in chapter 1 about his his history with the church, how he hated and persecuted it. He goes on to talk about his mystical experience and how he then goes for three years to intensely re-examine his beliefs in scriptures in light of Christ. I love that. Paul has to reevaluate the whole thing, his whole system of, of faith and religion after he comes to have this relationship with Jesus. Jesus changes everything. Now, following this three-year journey of reconstructing his faith in Christ or his faith in God through the lens of Christ, he comes and he sits under Peter and the other apostles for them to evaluate him. And they do, and they send him off to southern Galatia to plant churches. So now he's he's moved uh, to Galatia, he's planted churches, and he's actually moved on, and he's catching wind of the turmoil that's taking place. He's catching turmoil about um, this fine print battle between the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. And he says this in Galatians chapter 5. Listen, if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. AKA, if you think you need to follow the law to be with Jesus, you've missed the point, the boat, the whole message of the good news of Jesus. The law is not the point. Jesus is. You see, the law focuses on our ability, whereas Christianity focuses on Christ's accomplishments. He goes on to say this in verse 6, For when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. Paul is saying there's no benefit to following the law. But he says this at the end of this this verse, and it's so good. It's so powerful. Listen to this. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Let that sink in. Think about his statement. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Paul, this transformed legalist, says it's not about heritage, lineage, circumcision, what you eat or drink or give or keep. It's not about time served or time presence. It's not about theology, doctrine, bold font, fine print, or statements of belief. It's about faith expressing itself in love. Paul is challenging his church to leave behind the legal contract that demands the other adhere to a list of rules in order that they might become a radically submissive community focused on others-centered Christ-like love. Paul's pretty much saying the church needs to be less concerned with how others are supposed to act in order to be in, and only concerned with how we are expressing our faith and love towards others who believe they are out. Wow! Paul might say some things that we do in our culture need to address and reshift and rethink a little bit, but this is not one of them. This is certainly not one of them. This is a direct challenge to the fine print mentality of the modern Western church that is less concerned with how we love and always concerned with what other people are doing. So my bottom line today that piggybacks on Paul's statement is that it's lawful to love. 
The law is really summed up in this single word, love. The fine print is one bold word, love. And what blows my mind about this statement is that it's made to the church, not those interested or curious or skeptical of it. The bold print, large font, and even the fine print is directed to the church. Express your faith in love because nothing else matters. The rest will pass away. Express your faith in love because it's not about asking people to follow the rules. It's not about the ch- it's about the church expressing itself in love. <coughs> it's about people asking it's not about people asking asking it's not about asking people to agree with a statement. It's about the church expressing itself in love. <coughs> I had a conversation with a family on Friday about our little Christmas party. They saw it online. And they asked if they could come because they're not members of our church. And I laughed a little bit and I said, members of our church, we don't have members of our church. We just have love. And that means, guess what? You're in. She replied to me and said, that's really interesting. I love it. Because for us here at Reunion, the only thing, (coughs) the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. This was a radical statement for Paul to make. And to be honest, it's one that got him into a load of trouble with his old friends. And I am convinced that the radical mission of others-centered Christ-like love is exactly what the church needs to be known for today. Our city needs an expression of church that contains no fine print that rears its head at the opportune moment of commitment. Our city needs a church committed to expressing itself in love. Warning. Old friends will get upset. Because the cost of love is great. But here's the reality. The cost of the fine print is much greater. The damage done in the love loss for the sake of clarity and categorizations of in and out will take generations to undo and heal. So as a community, over the next few weeks, we're going to ask, what does Christ-like, other-centered love look like by examining stories from Jesus' life? But this morning, as we enter into discussions, I invite you to reflect on your own fine print. Here's some questions to ponder as we go into discussion time. Do you have fine print lingering in your hearts and how does it affect your relationships? What does faith expressing itself in love look like? What does a church that focuses on others-centered Christ-like love act like? What are the benefits to the law of love. And let's be honest, what are the ramifications? What is God calling our church to rethink and to do this morning and how are we going to respond? Let's take some time in silence to consider our own fine print before entering into a discussion. Holy Spirit, we've acknowledged your presence here this morning as a community and now we invite you to help us wade through this a little bit more internally, personally, and absolutely uh, as a community outward. We sit here submissive to you and open to you. Say a word, give us an insight, maybe a picture or a song, something that would trigger our minds to dig in a little deeper, something that it would trigger our spirits to open up. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it would be in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com and we're always here to walk with you.